Yo, this is Denzel Curry. You're now in tune to the Yada Yada podcast. Brow, get out. Put your yada yada over the best part. That is right for the big 3-0. The Yada Yada podcast is back in your computer systems, your ears, your headphones, wherever you may be listening to us. But we are back in full effect. Y'all, it's the kid Joe Cornejo. It's your boy Black Hyphy. Oh, you just Black Hyphy today? Yeah, today I'm just Black Hyphy. We just, hey. I was going to say George Bush doesn't care about black people, but we already know. We already established that, you know. Somebody did that for us in the last decade. Shout out, yay. One time. It's probably the only time from this point on. Drop a flex bomb for oh yeah. Oh yeah. One time for oh yeah. We're back, man. It's a big milestone episode for us, man. The Big 3-0, which is sponsored by none other than Papa John's. 40 pizzas, 30 days. Hey, yeah. The day of reckoning will come. The last 30 days. Oh, shit. Yeah. The day, the day of reckoning will come. The record will be straight. What about the record is not straight? What a question from a journalist. What about the record is not straight? Why not set the record straight now? Hey, the look on his face was so evil. <laughs> it was like an anime villain. He was like, you'll see he's in just, 30 days. He's just sweating out garlic sauce from the, the 40 pizzas he's eaten in the last 30 days. Man, if I if, if if somehow, if I died and I went to hell, like I would expect just to hear. I've had over 40 pizzas in the last 30 days. On the way there, because that's what hell sounds like. 40 pizzas in the last 30 days. Not just any pizza, Papa John's pizza. Hell is having to drink hella Papa John's with no water. <laughs> just dying of thirst. <laughs> you just got to keep <laughs> eating it. dying of thirst. That's it. Breakfast, you know, like Kendrick down there. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, meat lovers, Papa John's <laughs> with no water. You have to drink the garlic sauce <laughs> instead of water. <laughs> Welcome to hell. <laughs> Welcome to hell. Man. Yes, sir. We are back for the big 3-0, man. It's a big, big episode for us. Not only is it episode 30, tomorrow's Festivus. One time for that. You know. If you get the reference of the whole podcast, you understand why that's a big deal. Yeah, so Festivus is tomorrow. You got any grievances you want to air? I'm a seven for tomorrow. Okay, fair enough. Save for the holiday. What about you? Me? Shit. Uh, air it out, Joe. Anybody that's just trying to force me to have a kid, or make anybody that's trying to make me feel bad for not wanting to have a kid, fuck you. Yeah, fuck them kids. That's what I'm saying, man. Let's see. Where we at? All right. Yes. All right, we, have, we are back, man, here for the big 3-0 as we begin our... Year wrap-up episode, 2019. So how do you feel about the year of 2019? It felt like two years. It didn't didn't feel like one year. But I enjoyed my 2019. It's been a lot of ups and downs. It's been a lot of good music. And then a lot of not good music. (laughs) A lot of of misses. A lot of misses. But I feel like even though we, we were talking about this in the car, that not a lot of... It feels like not a lot's happened in music this year. But I feel like that's only because... Either like the mainstream artists that drop didn't drop this year, or the artists mainstream artists that did drop this year just didn't didn't you know didn't hit like that like we wanted them to. But right. I feel like even though there weren't a lot of big names that probably dropped this year, it's still allowed for other artists that maybe not be that may not be on that mainstream level to get a lot of shine because they allowed them to have their own little moments. Yeah, it was a lot of people that I never heard of that I started listening to this year that really got their shine. Yeah, or like a lot of people I ain't fuck with. I think an artist per se. I think an artist that capitalized. Uh, of it being a slow start to the year was Boogie. Yeah. He definitely he definitely had his moment. See, yeah, that's one of you know, he, he made my list. He made mine too. So I, I hey man, what's up for Boogie? You have applause because I did I, I actually kicked it with Boogie back in Maryville in twenty fifteen before he was actually Boogie. 
Who was he then? He was just some guy from Compton. You don't even remember his name? Nah, because so he opened up for Lupe Fiasco for our spring concert back in Northwest in 2015. And he didn't even, like, they made the flyer with Lupe, and then they just had a shadow figure say, with Boogie. Like, it didn't even ha- he didn't even have a picture. He was, he yeah, he wasn't unlocked yet. Yeah, he wasn't even, but he, uh, I guess this, this was shortly after he dropped Oh My. And then that's when, like, you know, Complex picked it up. He started getting, like, national attention. And so he wasn't really known yet, but he was starting to, like, get a buzz. And I remember uh, I didn't go to the concert because I had some school stuff to do. And after I got done with the concert, I went to Barman's house. And I walked through the back door, and Boy Boy was there. He goes, bro, Boogie's here. I'm like, Boogie from the concert? He goes, yeah, bro, he's in the living room right now. I'm like, how does he get here? He goes, one of the homies that we used to kick it with hit him up on Twitter. He's like, yo, if you need if you need some shit, I got you. And he hit him back, like, yo, for sure, like, DM me. And then he they came to Barman's house after the show to just kick it and bullshit. And I was sitting, like, right next to him on the couch, and I didn't really know anything about him. But I was like, yo, man, where you from? He goes, I'm from Compton. I'm like, oh, shit, word? He goes, yeah. I was like, what's Kendrick like out there? He goes, he's like a walking god. Oh, man. I was like, wow. I can see that. He hey. didn't make good Kid Mad City. One time for Boy Boy. One time, Boy Boy. We'll get him on the podcast here very soon in 2020. But yeah, so Boogie had a great year. I think it was a good year for lyricists to just shine and do their thing. Yeah, a lot a lot of the rappers' rappers came back, you know? Yeah, and it just kind of restored the feeling. Yeah, yeah. I think us as like a whole is starting to get tired of the the trap rap and the SoundCloud rap, and it's just like, oh, my God, I'm tired of hearing the same song. Mm, the same formula, the same style. Yeah. But there's a couple artists that, you know, switch up the style and still keep it that kind of element of trap music, but just kind of elevate it to, like, to another level. I think Future's been somebody that's really been good at taking, like, that trap sound and, and kind of taking it another step or another level. I don't, I don't know. I ain't, Future, I ain't listening to Future for a minute. He dropped the project honest. this year. Earlier the, this the, year. Was it Wizard or yeah. something? And I listened to it. I listened, I went back and listened to it this weekend. It's really good. I think Future's writing is still really A1. Okay. So it's cool. Yeah. I've been on this uh, Baby Keem lately. Talk about it. Fucking, it's like. You know where he's from? Uh, I think he's from L.A. or from, like from the West Coast. I, I don't know much about him. I only listened to the project like three times, but it, it's got that. It what got some of, energy to it. It's like, it's like some punk shit. It's very familiar. It sounds like. SoundCloud rap and trap rap and like all of the little Uzi shit. Yeah. But it is it, elements of like Kendrick in it as far as like delivery and stuff like that. It's it's a good mix and it's like I I don't know, man. It's hard to describe it. It sounds like something new, but it it definitely got like a punk vibe. It makes me want to kick shit for real. So it's kind of like that. Is like would you describe it like a like a almost like a grunge sound? Nah, it's not. It's not even grungy. He like he got like a high pitched voice. It's like a it's like Made in T.O. meets Lil Uzi meets Kendrick. Oh. Yeah, like, it, it, he cold. I, fu- I fuck with him. Hell yeah. He's, I, I've, heard him, I've heard his name around the last couple of weeks for some headlines he made in regards to like some comments about Jay-Z. And, it, and he wrote like a really lengthy post about it in like a, on IG. And it got so big that Jay-Z actually wrote him an email responding to like his, what, is, what he was saying. So can you explain that to me a little more? So was he was he coming at Jay or he was kind of just... coming at Jay for having like a capitalist state of mind in regards to like help how and how he could help people? He said I can't help people if I'm just as poor as them, you know, or something along the lines of that. And Baby King wrote a response by you know we we won't ever make it far as people with that capitalist kind of state of mind. You know, I think I think it was Fred Hampton that preached uh, socialism. Like the only way we're gonna be able to help each other is like if we you know giving helping the next man out by making sure they're as good as we are. 
you know, it's not it's not gonna help us as a community if only one person's making all this money and they're not, you know, spreading out the wealth to make sure we all like rise and succeed. Something along the lines of that. I don't don't come at me if I'm if I'm mis you know misusing that quote. But it, that's the, the in the terms of what Baby King was trying to say in regards to Jay Z's capitalist way of thinking and how he could help people by having all this wealth, but not actually spreading it out. You know. Yeah. Something so something along the lines of that, and then Jay Z responded and you know gave a response, and then I think yesterday or two days ago there was a picture of them together like eating lunch. That's pretty cool. I I just heard. Uh I seen a clip. Of this oh, I can't remember her name. This this actually she was talking about like networking and how a lot of times people try and network up and like try and reach out to someone that's like already made it, already is successful, instead of like looking to the left or the right to people that's beside them like struggling and grinding mm. and trying to like networking with them and see like all right how can we help each other and do stuff like that. So I feel like that's kind of along the same lines of what baby keem is like coming from and i agree with it like i've seen it happen like this far this year so like when we first started the podcast and we was talking about how you know the city's starting to work together more now we like in the in the midst of it like it's happening and it is working because mm-hmm. like every, people are starting to do these big shows like dadu mb58 yeah. and d walk just, just opened they, up for uh, mazi and Jeezy last yeah. night hey man round applause fucking Sean just opened up for Schoolboy Q Black and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like she's you know she's I mean? going crazy. Yeah, it's, it's definitely thriving right now. Yeah. See, Kai just opened. Kai Colors opened up for uh, yeah, Polo TJ. G, TJ. I had a really good talk with Kai the other day. Really? Yeah, at the open mic. He he said he had, he just quit his job and stuff like that, mm. and he kind of like about to pursue music full time. I'm excited to see what and Kai just, do. Though. And, he, and if if for what he's been saying, he just started his own record label too. So hey, another flex for Kai. Yeah. And it's, yeah, man. City's making big moves, man. Everybody's just I like how everyone's just on the independent mindset. Yeah, bro, we gotta be. We but we build in like a community. Everything is more like we getting our own infrastructure together mm-hmm. to where everyone can succeed if you have the tools and if you are like, you know, if you good enough, if you about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And then bro. just helping out the next man with your resources or what you bring to the table. Yeah. Or even even if it's like you if you do something for the first time that like opens a door just like breaking down doors and shit like that mm-hmm. create new pathways for people facts it's been great man it's been a great year for the city definitely it's been a great year in general for music i would say from terms of quality yeah it was it, it, it was pretty cool mm-hmm. and it's only gonna get better yeah, the, the decade is definitely shaping up to be a really good one for the for the Kansas City music scene i'm excited to see where see artists grow and see where they where, see where it takes them where the path takes them yeah nick's about to blow yeah, it's gonna be a good time, man. It's gonna be a great 2020, but man, it's just the last year of the decade. Yeah, it's weird, man. I'm trying to get belligerent this this New Year's. You did last year. Yeah, it wasn't hey, a good belligerent though. Sorry f- for punching you. You know, you know who you are. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, don't laugh at it. I really, I really did feel bad. I ain't punching nobody this this New Year's. Yes, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Well, unless it's like it's absolutely called for. Yeah. But moving on. Moving, <laughs> <laughs> moving on, man. So the twenty nineteen is at an end. It's been a really long year, but a lot of great music's dropped during this year, I feel like. So I'm curious to know what what's your top ten albums? We'll start we'll go we'll start one each. So you'll go ten, I'll go to my ten. Okay. So tell me what your number ten album was. Number year. ten. You know how they do the little countdowns on YouTube and yeah, shit. Number I, that 10. was that was my attempt. Let me hear it. 
All right, Shea Butter Baby. Le- Ari Lennox? By Ari Lennox, yes. Now, tell me about that album. I mean, I would just fucking love that album. It's like music you could play on a Saturday morning to clean up. To clean the house, too? Yeah. Her is very pro-black. Yeah, it's very, it is. It is. So you think, well, I mean, I mean, cause I wouldn't necessarily say like pro-black. It's not anti-black. No, not you know what I mean. Yeah, no, of course not. It's but. not like she putting her fist up. Uh, like Eve, I would say is like pro-black. And like, I think that's more like just. I wouldn't say yeah, Eve is pro-black, but it's like pro-black woman. Not, not, not to, not to say like it's not pro-black. She not. She wasn't necessarily. Pushing it, I would say it's more self love. Okay, you know what I mean. But I guess that is pro black, and that's kind of that's kind of the, the, the energy Eve was on, in terms of just like uplifting black women. Hey, Eve is one of my honorable mention that she was talking that shit. Yeah, she hey, was going crazy. Yeah, definitely. So you got Ari. Lennox. Do you think Ari Lennox should have won? Was what's that award she lost to Lizzo at the Soul Train Awards? Was it her best Soul Train album of the year award or something? I mean, in, in my opinion, she should have won it, but I don't. I never listened to Lizzo album, so I can't really call nah. it. Nah, I never have either. Now I will say this: regardless of how I feel about Lizzo personally, as a as a person, I do like her music. It's very, it's I mean, very it's fun. fun. It's fun. Yeah. yeah, I like the I like her music. Now her as a person is a different story, but I do like her music. <laughs> and so, like at the end of the day, as long as the music is good, you know, everything else gets pushed to the wayside. So what what's this situation uh, at the Lakers game? She just showed her ass, and that's. Why yeah, everybody just, was tripping? She just showed up in like a oversized T-shirt and just cut out a hole where her ass was, and just had her bare ass showing, front row at a Lakers game. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts? My thoughts, I just don't like it. It's kind of easy to tell when somebody's doing something for attention, instead of just like you could say, "Oh, that's just who I am." Like you, nah. Like if she did that, people, you know, if she did that at an award show or at her concert. I don't care. Like that's her show, or like it's an award show. Do what you got to do. You know, Lady Gaga wore a meat dress, but she ain't gonna wear a meat dress to the Lakers game. She might. Lady Gaga might wear a meat dress. She to might, but game. she hasn't done it yet. Well, that's because she don't go to basketball games. Though. You never know. Everyone goes to the basketball game. Everyone goes to Laker games at least. But I just wasn't the biggest fan of it because I'm like, you just you doing too much. What if it was like, uh, what if it was Ari Lennox? That's still doing too much. Okay. I feel like there's a time and place for that. You could do that on your social media page. You can do that at your shows. You can do that at award shows because, you know, hey, push the boundaries. You know, it's music. You had a music show, push the boundaries. You had your show, do what you want to do. But, like, a Laker game, like, come on, man. You just you just begging for attention. Yeah, true. But that's just my take, you know. And I don't I don't hate, and this is for the record, I don't hate Lizzo because she's fat. That's <laughs> People keep trying to push this narrative that people, you can't talk. If you talk shit about Lizzo, you hate it. You just hate all fat women. That's not the case. I just don't like Lizzo as a person. Yeah. And plus, the whole Postmates shit was stupid. I wasn't with that. What Postmates shit? So, she ordered like DoorDash or something. She ordered DoorDash and she forgot to put a little detail in there for the delivery to find her. And so the food just never got delivered. And so she put the whole, like she screenshotted the driver's face and put it on her Twitter page like, yo, this girl stole my food or some shit. Oh, damn. And now she's getting sued for millions of dollars for it, for defamation. Oh, well, I yeah, she tripping. She, then, she going uh, a little crazy. And then John Witherspoon died. The day John Witherspoon died, she goes, I'm sad about Pops, but I still got to promote. Like, yo, I want to ask you about about that. Yeah, I, I hate that shit. Like the whole posting for clout. Yeah, and it's like you could just say RIP Pops and then just keep going on about your business. You don't have to say, yo, I'm sad about Pops, but I still got to promote. Like, ain't nobody 
when nobody gonna if you promote promote your song on the day pops died, no one gonna be like, but pops died. You know, nobody gonna push that narrative on you. Yeah, that's just yeah, that's just it. It's just can we leave clout in twenty twenty? No, you mean twenty nineteen? or twenty nineteen? <laughs> Can we bring whatever. it into the new decade? No, please? let's not do that. I'm cool on that. Do right. it, do it for yourself. Yeah, just just do what makes you happy, and don't do it for attention. Because you can tell you self validation twenty twenty. You, you can, know what I'm saying? You could tell when some's you could tell when someone's just being authentic, authentically themselves. You could tell when somebody's just doing shit for attention. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like we learned a lot about that in twenty nineteen when somebody's right. doing shit for attention, and then they're actually being authentic. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of extra ass people. Right, for no reason. For no reason. It's but, a damn shame. But all right, going back to the list, my number ten, Boogie, everything for sale. Okay, it's a great, a great year for storytelling. I think Boogie's a great storyteller. The album, the album just doesn't really have any highs in terms of like happiness. Is yo, it's pretty fucking depressing. It really is. It's like he starts off like, yeah, I'm kind of sad, but my girl's here to help me up, and then all of a sudden, but, like, well, I helped her up on her feet, and now she's leaving me while I'm still down. And then that just kind of leads to him spiraling out of control even more. Yeah. yeah, I miss my son, but I ain't gonna tell you that. Why don't you have your other man take him to the fucking basketball game? Yeah, it was, it's fucked up. Yeah. I don't ever want to be in a relationship like Boogie's been in. Man, he's not the best man for relationship advice. I remember he was. Hey, also, they both fucked up. Yeah, but him and the lady. It's also very personable. I feel like that's hard for as what? an artist sometimes to d- determine how far you're willing to talk about in your music because he's he. He's talked about in his other projects about his relationships with like one specific woman in general, and I don't know if that's if that, that if that's her or if that's just his baby moms. But he's he's been like that's been one of the things about Boogie. He's always been very open and very personal in his music, especially about his relationships. Yeah, I respect that. It, it, you could tell like it is genuine. It's mm-hmm. not no you know extra shit. Yeah. Yeah. So who's your number nine? Ventura. Ventura Anderson and Spack. Okay. Yeah. I, I went back and listened to it. I was like, yeah, damn, this one of them. This one of them gems. I could just play it, you know. No, yes, got to no. skip it or nothing. Yeah, no, it's a smooth ride through. Yeah, it's and it's short. It's like what ten songs. Yeah, and he and he got a uh, Andre three K verse. I think it's like eleven songs. And he did. And he got a song called Yada Yada. One time for us. He's out here. Okay, that's definitely a good one. And he's not rapping on it. He's actually singing. And Thank it's beautiful God. Production. I like when Anderson Pack raps, but it just needs to be the right production. I, I didn't. I didn't like the rap album that came out. I don't even Oxnard. remember the name of it. Yeah, Oxnard. I did not fuck with that. It just felt. It didn't. I don't know. It didn't feel like it didn't have that soul in it. Yeah. There was a couple good moments on it, but I think overall, I was like, eh. For especially being a follow up album to Malibu. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, I get it. you got to work with Dr. Dre. So hey, I can't knock you for that. But man, Dre kind of fucked up this album a little bit. Yeah. They said it. They said Ventura and Oxnard were supposed to be a double disc album. Thank God it wasn't. Yeah, because I think Ventura definitely needed his own like the shine. Yeah, I think he need to just work with Pharrell on the album. Did they he work with Pharrell? It. No, I'm saying he oh. should. If they did like a whole album, it would be tight. I think every all of my favorite artists should work with Pharrell because it would just make sense. Would it? I don't know. So Larry <laughs> June over Pharrell would make sense. Yo, it would. That was that shit would be hard. It probably would. And like I need like 2007, eight Larry like Pharrell with Larry June. You mean like that player shit? Yeah. That that fucking ice cream chain. Yeah, BBC shit. Yeah, that BBC yeah. Shit. I need that 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 shallow for real. <laughs> shallow for real. <laughs> Have you listened to the In My Mind mixtape? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You listen to mm-hmm. it? Yo, that's that shit. Yeah, I like when Pharrell just talks that fly player shit. I, I listen to that with in the gym a lot. I did too. That's why I listen to it. 
Yeah. Would you? When I be on my narcissistic phase, like, <laughs> let me just put it's on just this It's just me feed. out here. Yeah. It's just me out here. <laughs> you, not you, me. It's about me, not you. My ego is going crazy. Just, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, number nine, Oxnard. My number nine is going to be Gran Turismo by Currency and Static Selector. Okay. Very beautiful. Uh, it's, I'll say it's almost a classic Currency album, but then there's this bitch-ass dude named Wolf Haley on two songs back-to-back. And his voice irritates me. He does hook duty. He sings, but it just sounds horrible. Wait, Wolf Haley like or, Tyler the Creator? Wolf Haley? Nah, let me see. Uh, I don't know if his name. I, I don't know if his name's Wolf Haley. Yeah, because I did. Yeah. That shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. All right, let me see. What's his name? Haley. Haley Supreme. I think is his name. Yeah. It just still. There's a song with Jim Jones. And Wiz Khalifa, he's on both those songs back to back, and both those songs would be great without him. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. So if you took him off both those songs, this would be another classic currency project. Plus, that selector holds up his end of the bargain. He has a, it's a great, greatly produced album. I just found out he put out the instrumental, uh, instrumental project for it. Hey, it's time for you to start rapping, Joe. Hey, I got the beats, man. No, I'm totally kidding. Nah, nah. Chris Calco said he write for me, so hey. I don't support that. We're coming. We coming all 2020, baby. We doing all forms of media. Okay. All forms of media. You can't do it under the name Joe though. We no, have, we I have need to, a better rap name than that. We got to completely rebrand. I always wanted, to, I always wanted to be a rapper, but I always wanted to be like a Diddy rapper. Like I don't write rhymes, I write checks, kind of rapper. That's that's what we gonna be on. Yeah. All right, damn it, Joe, you got me behind it. I t- I told myself I wasn't gonna support your rap career, but now it's like, yeah. If Chris Calico yeah. writing. I need a check. I can't lose. I can't All right. lose. All right, moving on. Number eight. Ugh, those feels again. By oh, man. Yes. Those feels again. Yes. I love that album, man. Yeah, that that album shit is, is magical. Absolutely. It's not that I don't want you here. I let's do it this morning. Shout out my baby. Shout out my girl. My you know, yeah. What's that shit? Uh, my shit is, uh, what is it? Um, find someone like you. Nothing's ever perfect, but you're perfect for me. <laughs> See, it was good writing, production, just Produ- all around. Shout it, out to it, No it, ID. It just, it just played. Oh, No ID produced it? Yeah, he produced. I think he executive produced that project. Yeah. And when, that shit sounds beautiful. So wasn't she like Prince's apprentice or something? Yeah, a Prince's protege or something. Yeah, see, that's crazy. And the thing I is, could t- I could tell. Uh, I read that before Prince died that they were actually going to do a project together. Man, if we could see that. Yeah, but that album is beautiful. I love I love Toronto. Baby, baby, can I come around? Man, remember that time at the Fearless show? We was all out. It was like five of us, five dudes just standing outside the venue. It was like me, you, I think Aaron Alexander was there. And there was like two, three other guys there. Yeah. We were just like all having like, talking about R&B music. And then we started all singing that shit. Yeah, because it's, it's fucking magical. It is. I love how that album, it sounds like, it gives me like a, a Frank Sinatra kind of like clean feel, you know? It's super classy. Yeah, super classy. Yeah. Beautifully written. And I love how it starts off like a beautiful love album, and then it ends with her saying, love, this ain't what it used to be. Yeah, it sound different. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to her next project. She was, uh, I think she was in the studio with Pharrell and Chad Hugo. Let's Hugo. go. Yeah, I think she just posted that picture of them in the studio. I want to meet Chad Hugo. He's an interesting guy. He looks. He just looks like he's has autism at home. <laughs> that, that's not not to be uh-huh. nah, for real. No, for Like he he be he just be looking out of it, but he makes great music. I think he just. I feel like he just hates all the fame shit. I he's just one of the people that just. I just want to make music, 
I let Pharrell take all the get all the shine, famous wise. But I just like to be in the back chilling. Fucking play my instrument. Yeah. What ain't there a third person in NRD? NRD. Uh, Shay. Uh, Shay. What Shay do? For he a rapper. Okay, so he was the rapper because he's on the cover or of. Is he shot? Hold on, let me let me fact check. Because he was on the cover of one of them, right? Playing the video game. Yeah. So that was him on the cover. Yep. Okay. Because I was always wondering if there was three, because you always see Chad and Pharrell, but I always heard there was a third person in, in NERD. I just want your brain. Oh, I could go on and on. Yeah, it's Shay. Okay, cool. So Shay he, he was a rapper in NERD? Yeah. I wonder why you don't hear from him very much. I don't know. Hmm. He, I guess he plays the drums, too. Okay. Hell yeah. Because everybody in, in NERD is just is holding it down the production end. Yeah, them niggas is tight. Okay, so that was your number eight? Yep. All right. My number eight made the Lord watch. Little brother, baby. Hey! I figured that was going to be I still haven't listened to it. It's great, man. It's so dope because Little Brother is their first project probably in, like, what, since 2010, Theo? 2009? Since, like, two, that, around that time. So, And it was so, totally unannounced. It was not expected. They just dropped the album out of nowhere to surprise the fans. It was, it's a really big deal in hip-hop because Little Brother's been one of the more critically acclaimed rap groups and definitely one of the more Fonte is one of the more influential rap artists of I think of this decade, especially in terms of like Drake. Uh-huh. He influenced that singing rapping style really heavily, and it's just cool to have you know grown man raps. Yeah, it's just cool hearing a project of just hearing artists grow up in hip hop and give you a mature look at music, but still keep it authentic. I could dig it. And plus, how how the story how how they came back together was really dope because you can see that it's really like a brotherhood with them. No so pun intended. Give us a a quick rundown of this story. So, so first they originally broke up, and Fonte Ninth Wonder was always kind of a weird person in the group because he was never a hundred percent committed to Little Brother. So that's why he wasn't involved in Made the Lord Watch. But Fonte and Big Pooh had a really good relationship. But then when the the group split up, they they stopped talking to each other. And then Big Pooh had a health scare where he ended up in the hospital. And Fonte heard about it and he goes, "Oh damn! Like I'm I'm gonna call him or send him a text." And, you know, just just wish him well and see how he's doing. But he never did, and so that kind of made that made him feel really bad. And I think I think Pooh had like another health scare, I believe, if I'm correct. And then that's when, or like that, I think a year, a couple years later, he made him it made him realize like how how precious life is and how like little petty things shouldn't get between a brotherhood of, of people. If you really good friends, if you like consider somebody a brother, you shouldn't let petty things get in the way of that. Yeah, and I, so I definitely feel that. And so one day, Fonte hit up Big Pooh, and they just had a conversation, and they just flowed the idea of a Little Brother album. And I guess all these beats that were on Little Brother's album were beats that Fonte was going to use for his next project. Oh damn! Yeah, it's gonna make me cry. It's great though, man. The the skits are back. You you be in networks back. <laughs> let's see. Uh, the what's the what's the the white face the black face rapper from the Little Brother skits. Yeah, so he's back, but he's a, he, you know, he feels good to be a white man again. Oh man! Because his his job in the first album was uh, he was like a, a white rapper in blackface. <laughs> so like they have it back, but it's like a rejuvenation. Like <laughs> yeah, man, it feels good to be a white man again. You know, <laughs> it's great, man. It's it's like uh, it's 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 really well put together. It's a classic little brother project. It's a, it's it feels good to just have them back. It's a, it was a great hip hop moment in 2019. Damn. So I definitely had to give them their props. I gotta tap in. I've been on this R and B wave. Nah, it's definitely and it's got an R and B little sound to it too. Oh, is it smooth? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of some singing. Fonte's a great singer. Oh man, 
You should sing on your album. I could do it. Don't tempt me. Don't do it. Please don't do it. That's what everyone else is saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your number seven? Everything's for sale by Boogie. Boogie. Okay. Yeah. It was, I, I really fuck with that project. And yeah, man, I just like the writing. The writing's and great. The, at the beginning of the year, it was like perfect timing because I was on my sad vibe. Me too. I was either sad and in my feelings or I was like angry. Benny the Butcher, I'm selling fucking rock. I'm moving bricks. 5'11", but 6'8", if I stand on my brick. It's fucking crazy. That's a lot of bricks, if y'all don't know. What's, uh, what would you say is your favorite song off Everything's For Sale? LOL, Smiley Face. That's the, another great writing song. And it's, it's just an interlude, too, but that's like... But it's it's like two and a half minutes. Yeah. It's pretty lengthy, but he's he breaks it down into two different songs. Yeah. I, I, I just love that. Yeah, I think mine's probably favorite from Live 9-5. That's the one I relate to the most. Like, cause I, like you said, in the beginning of the year, I was trying to, like, get my head back on straight and try to, like, focus on shit. And then, uh, and there's a, there's a, there's a line on there in live, in live nine five where he says, I feel like, I feel like I'm been less efficient. I feel like I'm been too pressed for bitches. Oh man. And I was kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like, that was my state of mind at the beginning of the year. Like more focused on like, you know, girls than like what I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah. These hoes ain't loyal. Chris Brown told us. Yeah. You should have listened to <laughs> see Breezy. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Chris Brown told us years ago, these hoes ain't loyal. Did you listen to his album? You listen to Indigo? That 50 track album? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I didn't get to it. Honestly, and I was talking to somebody about that too. If Chris Brown just really chopped down his albums to like 15 songs, he would have some really great albums. But I feel like, unless you would, like, if you like Brian B. Shine, Brian B. Shine loves Chris Brown. So if Chris Brown puts out a 40 track album, I can ask Brian B. Shine, how's it sound? Because he will listen to all 40 tracks. But Chris Brown is an amazing Damn, Brian, artist. Brian, you listening to, how, how long is that? That's got to be like three hours. And of he put music. out a deluxe with extra songs. That <laughs> he put out a deluxe for extra songs. I remember when Lil B put out a hundred song mixtape, and we all just kept cooking. Yeah, we <laughs> <laughs> had to. But like, I think I don't know why Chris Brown's doing this. I don't understand why he's doing this to us. Because Chris Brown has a cult, and he could just put out the fifty songs and just do one album and then tour for five years off of one fifty song album. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he switches up the songs every city just to keep shit fresh. Oh, it's actually thirty two songs. Okay, but he put out deluxe or is that after the deluxe? Well, the, I, I'm not looking at the deluxe. Okay, I know he did put out the deluxe version, but yeah, if Chris Brown has cut those songs down to like 15, he'd have a really great projects. Because Chris Brown can make his. He is a great. He is a great artist. So I don't want to feel like I'm not giving Chris Chris Brown his props as an artist. He's definitely great at what he does. He's definitely been one of the more better R&B singers of this decade. He's held it down for two two damn decades almost. Yeah, he he's super talented because he, he can draw, dance, sing, play basketball. Yeah, great, I don't, great I don't stage know what performer. Else he, yeah, he can't can't do. He's a great artist, so I don't feel like I don't want people to think we're trying to slight Chris Brown or his talent. I I, I just don't I want don't I just don't Brown. need forty songs from Chris Brown. Give me fifteen, thirteen, and I can work with it. Because I'm sure there's thirteen, fifteen great songs on that album that could make a great project. The the last Chris Brown album I listened to was exclusive. Which one was that? The one with damage on it. Look at the damage. <laughs> hey. Is that the one where it's like an X across the cover? Yeah. Is that the one? No, 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 no. That's not it. Because I, I remember uh, there was one song that had, there was one album that had a Leah song on it. I don't think they know. Hold on, I'm about to pull it up. That was my shit. That was my shit. Bro was going crazy. But nah. he, he was talking about cheating on his girl, though. Nah, damn. 
Yeah. He, he in a regretful tone. Man, though. that Fame album was was great. Yeah, he got the he got the tuxedo on there. Okay, this one. Yeah. Let's see. I was the one with Kiss Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, you going way back? <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm just not. I don't listen to R and B like that. This is probably the first year I really was just like dabbled into it. Yeah. It's a great genre. It definitely had a great. It's had a great revival these last five years. I mean, I listen to like the. I guess the more well-known albums, because mm-hmm. I grew up listening to like Anita Baker and stuff like that. Cause my that's what my my uncle liked to listen to. But I don't know. You got the classics, but you ain't got the new artists. Yeah. But it's been a good year for R and B, especially for you to dabble into and get your first taste of it. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. There's hope for the world. <laughs> There's love for the world. Yeah. All right, my number seven, Organic by Casey Veggies. Okay. And I've always been a big Casey Veggies fan, and this is his first album since his last since his debut album, Live and Grow. And Live and Grow didn't really do what the label wanted it to do, so he got caught up in some label issues for the last like three, four years. Oh, but he's you no know, Casey Veggies always been had had that following out in, in Cali. He's one of them artists that you know, no matter where he goes, he'll always be good in California. He should he should have tapped in with uh, Larry. Larry, he does have a song with Larry June on his deluxe copy of the album. Yeah, because if he's talking about organic, you know, mm-hmm. Larry about all about the organic, all about shit. the organic fruits and vegetables and smoothies. But uh, but even though Casey Veggie's been quiet the last couple years, he's been around the scene. I know he was a uh, Nipsey Hussle kind of took him under his wing when he was making Victory Lap. For real? Yeah. So does so he was there for a lot of the making of that album. So okay, so I should I should listen to or, organic. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you know I always. I've been really big on like this hustling, like motivational type of hip hop this year. So organic to me is one of the like one of the more better motivational rap albums that dropped this year in yeah. terms of just getting a, a motivational hustler's message out to people. Yeah, he I think he real good at doing that. What was it? Uh fuck. Life of something? No, it's not life of something. Do you know what album I'm talking about? With Live and Grow? L- nah, not Live and Grow. It was a mixtape, actually. Oh, oh, Life Changes? Life Changes. Yeah. That shit was amazing. Yeah. So he's been doing it big for a whole... He's been doing it... He's been holding it down for for the whole decade. Shout out Mr. Veggies. Yeah, Young Veggies. So definitely check that out. And if you into that motivational rap, it's about 10 songs. I say eight of them are great. There's like a two-song stretch in the middle where I'm just not really rocking with. But it's a solid eight for 10 album. I definitely recommend it. All right. And what's your number six? Number six. You know, I told you I was on the block, all right? Fucking, it's, it's, it's the, plug, the, the plugs I met, man. The plugs I met. The butcher coming. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. That's, Another that's, that's, that's all I got to say, for real, for real. I mean, low-key, I've been starting to listen to Conway more. Conway, so it's it's three of them. It's, it's Benny, Westside Gun, and mm-hmm. Conway. Conway, like, Really, the best one out of them. Yeah, like the best rapper. I like his voice. And then, that nigga got shot in the face. so he like half of his face don't. Is that why his face move. like that? Yeah, I thought he, he was just trying to do like some New York meme mug. He got, no, he got shot in the back of his fucking head and like he got shot in the back of the neck, like the shoulders and all of that shit. Wow. And yeah, bro, been going crazy ever since. See, Griselda, they they're another artist <laughs> that had the chance to thrive this year and being a slow music year because it brought more attention to what they was doing, especially after the Jay Z cover sign. Big facts. So, it, well, hold on, I'm about to get you some Conway albums to listen to. So I like, look what I became. Uh, was it every, every wait? Everybody is fool too. Eat what you kill. That that one that one's like real real deep. Mm. If you ever you want some motivational shit, that's some motivational shit right there. 
it might motivate you to do the wrong things. I want you to do the right <laughs> things. Don't start selling but drugs you, because that's not what you need to do. But fucking start pushing. Is that that's the one? Is that the one he just put out? Uh, no. Nah. Because Griselda, just, I know for a minute there they rolled out it's, like three projects for each of them, and then they put out the one they just did as as a group. So is uh Griselda Ghost? So the last the ones that he put out this year was Look What I Became, Everybody Is Fool Three, Everybody Is Fool Two, Eat What You Kill. Okay. And then yeah, bro. I love Gris- I love what Griselda's doing, man. They've had a I like the movement. They really just restoring that gritty New York rap feeling. Yeah, I can't listen to m- too much of that music. It make me want to punch people. So I will not be playing that on New Year's. <laughs> that is not the vibe we're looking for on New Year's Eve. But that great the great gym music was it WWCDs what they just put out as a group uh with like the old man on the cover yeah like that's a great gym album 50 cent had a great feature on that project and it just really give me that that grimy Wu-Tang 36 Chambers feel like it's just a snowy night in New York and we out here in this basement just knocking records out so I should listen to it I I started to listen to it I was like I I want I'm going to go listen to Snow Allegra. No, <laughs> it's complete opposite feelings. Yeah, cause yeah. I just, you know. But I think when you go next time you go to the gym, like just throw this in, throw this in the mix. It's not very long. It's about forty six minutes, thirteen songs. I don't even be in the gym that long. Really? Low key, I be getting it in. You just be knocking it out real quick. Yeah, cause it be like so tomorrow, like my leg day. Mm-hmm. So I will go real heavy, and it's like three by six, and yeah, bro, it be intense. Hey, throw on some uh, Griselda while you in there. No. Uh, let's see. So that was your number six. Yeah. The plugs I met. All right. My number six, Ventura, Anderson Pack. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Ooh. one of my favorite R and B albums from this year. It was. A, it's a vibe. Yeah. It's definitely a vibe. Favorite song on there. Yeah. Oh, you did you already say it? Nah. I think my favorite song is probably What Will We Do? What Can We Do? What Can We Do? Like I love how Nate Dogg just voices kind of just fades off. He goes Nate. Yeah. Nate. At the end. Yeah. Like, Yo. It's like damn. He's really gone, but I I do love that Nate Dogg feature. He did he he utilized it very well. It sounded very organic. Yeah, I I couldn't tell it was Nate Dogg at first. You did you couldn't? It no, said features really. Nate Dogg. No, I mean <laughs> a lot of times I just play the album. I don't look at my phone. You know yeah. what I mean? Like when you know first run through. Mm-hmm. Let me just see if it is cohesive. Yeah. as one project or yeah, as one entity. Yeah, that's that's definitely a project that that, that flows very well together. Great morning album too. Hell yeah. Beautiful morning album. All right. What's your number five? January twenty eighth by Zef Friends. Zef Friends? Okay. Yeah. Hey, shout out to Zef Friends one time. So he came to the open mic last Thursday and oh, he's really good, man. He's super talented. He's young too. He's like eighteen. Yeah. yeah, he he go to school in Mizzou. Re- really good kid. He shouted out his mom and everything. But I I love his music. I feel like he could kind of just do whatever he want. He could make a hype track. He could make like some love shit. He could tell a story. Really talented, and I w- I want to see what he does in like twenty twenty and f- further on. Cause I'm, this I think this is his first project, and it's like fucking fire. Is Jan- January twentieth his birthday? Uh, I believe so. And it's J Cole's birthday too. And Rakim's. Oh shit! You ain't the guy. Oh man, cold the guy. You know it took me like that album you know, came out like twenty what twenty what twenty fourteen. That came out came out twenty fourteen. I just got that like why that whole song's called January twenty eighth. See, I think Zef could give Cole a run for his money, and that's no that's no cap or anything like that. Mm. He was super talented and like 
I'm damn. That's all I could say for real. I ain't got no words. Y'all got to listen to the project in January twenty eighth. Yeah, and just and just see. All right, all right. So my number five is out the trunk, Larry June. Hey, yeah. hey, 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 hey. Numbers. I love it. That's another 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 great motivational rap album that just talks fly play shit and just motivates you to get your credit score right. Yeah. Keep going, Larry. Keep going, Larry. Good job, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love it, man. I love it. It's smooth. It's numbers. T- it's shorts. It's ten songs, and every song bangs. What's your favorite song on there? Out the trunk or Mission Bay? Mission Bay. Yeah. Do, 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 do. That's Hell another yeah, Frank Sinatra buddy. sound song. Like, I fucking hey, love hey, that hey, shit. Hey. Yeah. What do you uh, say? What do you say on Mr. Bay? Uh, made a thousand dollars a hundred times last year, last month. Not too bad. I ain't gotta be famous to pull the stickers off the jag. Yeah. I ain't a rapper. I'm a brand real CEO with it. Oh man, we could yeah we could get deep in that bag. Yeah, and I think Larry June's definitely been the most improved player. If there's like a award for that in, in hip hop, I think Larry June's definitely get. He dropped five projects this year. I, I believe he dropped. He dropped. Early bird, early bird, the post or the port of San Francisco, yeah. Mr. Midnight, out, out the, the trunk, trunk, and then product of the dub game. That's five projects, yeah, in bro, one year. Crazy. He works just, and I think him and I think it's up there with him and Currency in terms of just having like a good hustler year. Yeah, because Currency dropped, cut. Currency dropped like four projects this year. And it's cool to see because I've been I've been <laughs> listening to Currency's old shit. And you know, I've realized that Larry June kind of comes from that that family tree. Yeah, we was talking about that. He like a mix of uh, currency and Dom K. Yeah, like the perfect balance of the two. Yeah, just you know, some real cool play shit. shit. Yeah, real organic. Yeah, I, 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 I. So it's cool, man. I, I definitely had to give Larry June his flowers this year. He worked hard. He definitely deserved it. And I'm excited to see him take off in the, in 2020. Yeah, keep going, Larry. Keep going, Larry. What's your number five? Or no, nah, I already oh, said my number five. We on number four. Oh, number, number four, four <laughs> is Igor. Yay! Yeah, that's my shit. I, I love it. It's like a movie. It's I want a, him to release a movie to it. It's a really a sad love story. Yeah. And it, it in terms of like But it doesn't sound sad. A cohesive project, that that's probably the best project that's like that just flows all the way through. Everything makes sense, and it's cool because he kind of tells the story like with his production and and the videos too. Mm-hmm. The I think video crazy. Yeah. Or a uh, boy, a boy's a gun. Boys, yeah, yeah. boy is a gun. That that video is wow. I love, I love the feature that Kanye had on the puppets. Yeah. Did I wait too long? I love that album. You think that I was gonna win rap album of the year? I hope so. But it's not what, a rap what, album. What, what was the other ones? Um, uh, the Revenge of the Dreamers album. Uh, Revenge of the Dreamers, Igor, Twenty One Savage, YMB, YMB, YMB and Corday, Twenty One yeah. Savage. Um, there was one more. Is that four? Yeah. Let's see. I can't believe YMB and Corday got. I can't speak right. on it because I haven't listened to that album. But that's his first album. Which is crazy to me, but I didn't think he—I didn't think he was gonna get invasion. Of, no wait, no, that's not. And did you say invasion of privacy? No, that was last year. Okay, I was gonna say. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to figure it out. A boy is a gun. Oh, championships. Yeah, so it's Revenge of the Dreamers, Meek Mill's championships, Twenty One Savage, Igor, YB, and Corday. I would. I like to see I, Meek I, win that. I yeah, that's what I say. Ideally. 
I would I wouldn't put Tyler's album in there as a rap album. I would put it in like a pop the pop category. Or something. I think he definitely could have been. I think he definitely could have replaced Little Nas X for album of the year. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I would want Meek to win, and then Igor. But Igor should be best album of the year. I think. It's out just, of the out of the ones that's up there, mm-hmm. I think Igor is the best. It's crazy to me to see uh, a compilation album get nominated for a Grammy. That's kind of weird to me. I feel like there could be other albums they could have just put there. But I mean, it's cool because you know J Cole might finally get a Grammy. The Grammy's not even tight though. It's kind of boring. Yeah, I haven't watched the Grammys in like. If I know Kendrick's gonna Lord perform, I, I always watch. I think I watched him last year when he performed. I still ain't seen it. But yeah. It's just, it's weird to me to see a compilation album get nominated for a rap album of the year. But it was a cool moment. It was definitely like one of my favorite moments in of hip hop this year. It was the Revenge of the Dreamers camp. Yeah, it was it was a moment. It was a cool moment. All right, so that was your number four? Yep. My number four is Chasing Summer, sir. Sir? Yeah. Okay, see so yeah. I, I couldn't that was like in my honorable mention, but I had started listening to it too late. And then I had to pick between all of those uh other R and B albums. Mm-hmm. And I I was just banging the other ones. A lot more, but Sir is a dirty man. Sir, Sir is just a piece of shit. But he's married. We don't wonder what this could could be. be. I just fuck fuck you and leave. Yes, Lord. Yeah, Yeah. I love it. Uh, Sir is another guy who's a phenomenal writer. Oh, yeah, Sabrina Claudio on that too. Let's let's give a shout out to her on that song. Yeah, and then uh, I think I think John Redcorn is probably one of like the best songs written this year. Was it was that it's, isn't it right? No, no, that's was, why John Redcorn's the second one, second song album. He goes, Alone, why am I alone? Yeah. Cause like if you like the whole song, it's kinda like him. He met this girl like on traveling or whatever. She was like out of town for some business and shit. And like they had their fun, but now she's about to go back home to her family and he's like in love with her. And the song's called John Redcorn. If you if you get the, the the he never says the title of the song in the song itself, but that's what makes it so dope to me is because if you guys know John Redcorn is he's the he's the Native American character from King of the Hill, and he was you know he had a baby with Dale's wife and whatnot, but you never she never told him that that wasn't his kid. Like that was it was obviously John Redcorn's kid because the kid was a Native American child, and these two couples that were married together were just two white people from Texas. But their neighbor was the Native American John Redcorn. And so that's kind of the story he's telling in the song. And that's why it's so dope to me for it to be named John Redcorn. It's just like overall just a really well written song. It's a good uh what's the word? Metaphor. Yeah. For like his situation. Yeah. I and I think it's beautiful. Well well done. Well done. Well done. Good job, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's my that's my number four. What's your number three? Bandanas. Bandana number three. Yep. Bandanas is number three. It grew on me. I didn't. I wasn't like listening to it as much like when it came out. Mm-hmm. But after the hype died down, I was like, "Oh damn!" Yeah, Freddie was in his bag, super a special bag. And it's crazy because it went so after Bandana came out because I really loved Bandana. But when Pinata first came out, it just I don't know. I just wasn't really into it. I liked it, but I wasn't like into it. And so after Bandana, I went back and listened to Pinata, and then that's when I developed a appreciation for everything that Pinata was. And to me. I think Pinata is definitely a better album, but Bandana still holds its own in its own way. It's very well put together. I think I like the black the black pointation of I, Pinata. I would say I would say Bandana's is a better rap album because he's doing more rapping, mm-hmm. but conceptually, Pinata's was better. Yeah, and how well and how yeah, it had, it had more of a theme because I didn't necessarily like get too much of a theme from this album. 
but the rapping was like real good. Yeah, it seemed like he was kind of talking about his life or like shit that he's been going through. Yeah, just shit he was dealing with. It's cool to see Freddie Gibbs get personal and introspective. How do you how do you say the track with uh, you know, with Pusha T and Palm Olive? Yeah, okay. I feel like I'll be saying it wrong, so I have to ask. Yeah, that's probably the best one of the best better rap songs of the year. Yeah, Pusha like, it's definitely top five. Pusha T had a great what was it June when does album come out? Cause there was it came out the same month. Uh, Benny the Benny's the Butcher's uh, the plugs I met came out, and then Golden Link's album. Yeah, because Pusha T had features like there was like a three week stretch where Pusha T was dropping new features on these albums. It had to be June then. Let me check. And I think Pusha T BK was a is a top five rapper in twenty nineteen just off those three runs in like that one month. Oh, I need the facts. Let's see. Let me see. I'll check it out real quick. Yep, June twenty eighth. June twenty eighth. Yeah. So the 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 three week stretch that Pusha T went on in June alone makes him a top five rapper for me because you had the Coke White feature, you had um with the eighteen wheeler feature, and you had the Palm Olive yeah. feature. So that's a good month. That was a good month. Good month for the Pusha T. But I do love the story. I think you watched the Tiny Desk. I still ain't watched the Tiny Desk yet. It's dope, man. I think my person personally for me, my favorite. My whole favorite moment from this like this this bandana run is just seeing how how close Mad Lib and Freddie Gibbs are. It's yeah, really a brotherhood with them. They homies. Like every time on Tiny Desk, every time they got done performing, like Freddie Gibbs would give uh, Mad Lib a hug. And it's just cool because you can see like, how much he really appreciates everything Mad Lib's done for him. Not only like for musically, but in his personal life. He he said he really looks at Mad Lib like a like an older brother. That's good. He be guiding him. He be pushing him. To excel and grow mm-hmm. as a person and artist. Every time they do a project, it like Freddie gives a status in the game that goes up even higher because it, it helps him elevate his game and in turn it makes people appreciate more of what he does. And I think that's 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 such a cool moment. I think Freddie Gibbs had arguably to me like the biggest moment in 2019 with this, with this album. I think we we forget about Freddie Gibbs if Madlib doesn't do an album with him. Yeah, I think he can't heal. He would have plateaued. He kind of would just been another great rapper. Yeah. But this, like his his projects with Madlib, helped separate him to show he's special in his own way. Yeah. And I think Freddie Gibbs realizes that too. So that's why during this this press run he did he on Hot ninety seven he did an interview where he actually cried because he was just so like overwhelmed with joy with how well the project's been received and how well how much has been able to change his life. Yeah. And he couldn't have done it without Madlib. Yeah, he man, he deserved all of that. He deserved his flowers and everything, cause mm-hmm. he he been through some shit. Yeah, it's been a rough like couple like three years for Freddie Gibbs. Yeah. So shout the Fre- shout the gangster Gibbs, man. It's been a great 2019. You well deserved. All right, my number three is gonna be Eve by Rhapsody. Okay. I love it. Nina. To me, is probably my favorite intro of 2019. And it's crazy because I actually met the guy that produced it, named Mark Bird. I met him when I interviewed Saha the Prince back in like 2016. Oh word. Yeah. Damn. And then I found out when the credits, when the producer credits came out, I was like, Mark Burr's like, that the same Mark Bird I know? And sure enough, it was. I sent a message on IG, like, congratulating him on the success of the, of the Eve album and, and Nina. Yeah, Eve Eve is definitely another one of them albums where it's like, okay, the 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 tr- the rapper's rapper isn't dead. You know? Yeah. The lyricist isn't dead. Your rapper's favorite rapper is still is still here. Yeah. And she's female. She be going crazy, yeah. And the concept of it is beautiful, man. It's it's, it's based off of you know, Adam and Eve, which is based off Eve. And this is every song track is based off of of a strong black woman. So you got Leah, you Cleo. I love the transition between Nina and Cleo because it goes from that Nina Simone sample straight into Phil Collins Aaron the Night with Cleo. And then later on the album She's got actually she's actually got a Queen Latifah sample, which is, makes it even better for me. 
Oh my god. Hey, so do you know who uh Jamila Woods is? That sounds familiar. She, all right, she she put out an album this year. This is like one of my honorable mentions. But she did the same type of deal. Oh, where? Yeah. So like all the her song titles are like, uh, you know, strong women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta tap in with it. Oh yeah, I, I definitely. I want I want them to collab on some shit. That would be wild. That'd be really hard. So I think I think when it comes to overall putting together a great conceptual album, I think Eve's Rhapsody's Eve's is definitely up there. And, how, and the execution was perfect. Plus, she works with Ninth, every. She worked with Ninth Wonder on the project, so it was executive produced by Ninth Wonder. He produced a lot of the songs on the project, so it's uh, it's one of my favorite produced albums of the year. Also, and turn to go with the lyricism. Gang shit. Number, number two? two, out the trunk. Larry June, number two. Yeah. Hey, it's up there. That's dope. That's really dope. It's just so easy for me to listen. It's a smooth listen. Yeah, and I I just wake up and play it. And just get your mind right for the day. Work can double is socializing. Da 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 da. I love <laughs> I love the intro. I just love the whole project. Yeah, I know like I know like I know. Yeah. Like success is approaching the front door. I'm wait. What do you say? I'm him. I'm him. Harm Lou. Yup yup. Yup yup. <laughs> Let's drive to Vegas. Hey. I, I love that shit. Yeah, that's a the intro is great. It's a beautiful project. If, if you haven't heard Larry June, that's the project I would definitely recommend it to you to check out and to see if you rock with it. And I think you will. That one and Mr. Midnight. What's your, what's your number two? My number two is Igor, Tyler Craven. Okay. Respect. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm very interested interested to see what's the next step Tyler takes. Yeah. I mean, it seems like he could do whatever he want. He's in there. He's got that free, that free reign now. Yeah. He's creating his own world and doing what he wants to do. And I think, I think as the years go on, people are going to appreciate Cherry Bomb a lot more. Because a lot of Tyler's albums, the last couple albums have been built on the foundation of Cherry Bomb. A, a lot of people, I think a lot of, I, I agree with you. Because I've been hearing more people say Cherry Bomb was tight. I'm still, I still stand Wolf. That's like my favorite shit. I understand though. Because you, yeah. you, you've been with Tyler from the beginning. Yeah. I, yeah. But you, you still appreciate his growth. Yeah, I mean, I love all of it. And I feel like that's rare in Tyler's fan base these days. I mean, I never wanted him to stay the, stay the same. No, I feel that. That makes sense. It's just, it feels like Tyler's fan base is always, it's either you're a Flower Boy fan or you're a Wolf fan. It's weird. And there's no in-between. I feel like Wolf is the in-between, in though. It, not as far as like when, no, nah, maybe it's not. I don't know. We we could do a whole podcast about Tyler. I don't want to get too deep into it. Mm. It's really, yeah, that's really my nigga. Yeah, he he's had a great year. I'm I'm excited to see what the next step for him sound wise is because it's always growing. It's always bigger than the last project. It's it's interesting to watch and art, see an artist grow. I need him to just put out a film. Well, yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, he did. Uh, he did. He did the Grinch soundtrack. Yeah, I'm. I, but I mean, like an actual film, like it or like a. If Igor had a movie for it. There's a lot of albums this year that I would love to have like a little short film for. I want Bandana to have that little short film. Man, nah, we gotta they gotta do a pinata short film. Yeah. Or fucking Gats Have you watched the videos just, for any of the bandana songs? Uh I seen Crown Pays and uh What was the what's other one? one more? He did one for Giannis. But there was one before that. There's there's one he did for like what half man half cocaine. Yeah, half man half cocaine. He's like where he wake up desert. in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. With Eric Andre. Yeah, some <laughs> some weird shit. Yeah. So 
We're, we're down at the bottom of the list. We're show number one. One big happy family by Sean. Hey, shout out to Sean. That this album's had the the biggest impact on my life. In what way? Describe it to us. Well, it's a very personal album for one. Me and Sean now are co-owners of a company together, and it's like his mama is like my mama now. So I just like being able to see firsthand, like get, you know, get like these extra details about shit that he's been writing about. You know what I mean? Stories behind the songs. Uh-huh. And then it's like I've gotten to see his relationship with everyone that helped make the album and things like that. So it just hit a little different for me now. Just being a You part see the of personal side of the album. Yeah. And then I see how much it, it it means. I see how much he works too and how from from uh starting off as a fan of like a love blemish and then seeing a love blemish turn into one big happy family and then learning more about Sean is really just like yeah had an impact on me. He brings it all full circle. Yeah, it does. It's just like complete. Mm-hmm. This is this is like the album I know the most about out of everything on this list. Yeah, cuz so you, like, you cuz like you say you're hands on with the artist. I mean, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a part of the making of it. I would just like see the you know, mm. Damn, shout to Sean. One big happy family, number one in 2019. <laughs> Drop the flex bomb for that one. Yeah. Hell yeah. And my number one is Drake. Care package. Frank Ocean. No, I'm just <laughs> 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 no, I was kidding. Number one is Bandana by Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib. Gangsta Gibbs. Gibbs, hope. And we already went into detail about it, but I just love it, man. I've I've been a, I'm just, I just love seeing the growth and evolution of Freddie Gibbs from seeing where he was in the beginning of the decade when I first found him with Pledge of Allegiance or the National Anthem, Fuck the World, yeah. and just seeing him grow and evolve into artists. You know, went from rolling with Jeezy on CTE to leaving CTE, dissing Jeezy, getting blackballed, and still having to do it independently and work from the ground up by putting out Pinata, which helped him on that get in that mainstream attention. He went on, I saw him on tour with Tech 9 for the Independent Grind Tour. That was really dope for me as a Kansas City native to yeah. see Freddie Gibbs next to Tech 9. And, you know, overcoming the whole rape case overseas, beating that, coming out, and just having to mentally get back in a healthy place to create again. Yeah, and actually doing that shit and having one of the best albums of the year. Yeah, and like, just bouncing back like that. Not not just breaking even, breaking through. You know, excelling, growing more from the, that whole experience and that that fucking struggle. Yeah, because yeah. that's that's a lot to mentally overcome. Hell yeah! And so that, that could drive like an, the average person insane, or yeah. like or scare it, them. Yeah, to just never put you in a block. Yeah, you never create again, and just never never get back to that person you once were. Yeah. So I salute Gangsta Gibbs for for everything he's overcome, for having one hell of a decade and ending it strong, and definitely shout out to Mad Lib for helping Freddie Gibbs go to that next level. Without without Mad Lib, he'd probably just be another great rapper. Yeah. Yeah, so what's your honorable mention for the album of the year? Um, or top 10 album? I got a bunch. So much fun was was on there. Yeah, I wanted to put that on my top 10, but, but I, couldn't, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't I didn't, do it. I didn't listen to it that much. But when I do listen to it, it's like, I, don't, I ain't skipping nothing. It's just like it just right, rides through vibe. smooth. Yeah, I'm with it because I listened to, I listened to Hot at the, I listened to Deluxe Edition like a couple days ago at the gym, and Hot came on. I kept running that shit back because you know we don't have to listen to something because it's on the radio. You listen to it because you want to. It just hits a lot different. Oh yeah, it feel it feels good. Yeah, like that's that's one of the songs I want to hear on New Year's Eve night. I want to hear Hot. 
Um, let's see. Some of the ones that were on your list were in my honorable mention. Like, like Eve was okay. Eve was in there. Um was it Every Everyone is Food Too by Conway mm-hmm. is in there. Um shit. Chasing Summer yeah. by Sir. You know, Dripper Drown too. I really, I really was fucking with it heavy. Like at Gunna? the top of the year, yeah. When it came out, I was in the, I was in the gym with that motherfucker. Like I'm a, you know, bucket. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about you? Mine. Let's see. Uh, I only have one, but two of them I have on top of the head. Max O'Cream's Brandon Banks. He's another great. He's one of my favorite storytellers in hip hop, and there's a lot of great storytelling songs like Brenda. Meet Again is one of my favorite songs. He talks about his dad getting locked up. And his mom was a co-defendant, so she got locked up with him and ended up finding out that the person that ratted on both of them was his aunt. Oh, man, that's sick. Yeah, so Brand, uh, Max O'Cream has always been great at storytelling, so I really appreciate what he brings to the table with terms of that. Plus, there's another song on the album called Brenda where he talks about this girl who had a son and it was just like, a, just like her baby daddy and how he abandoned her. So she, when she gave birth, it was just her alone in this, in this emergency room. And then the son grew up to be just like the father, and like he beat her and shit. It's a wild story, but it's a it's a great it's great from a writer's perspective. Yeah. So I always respected Max O'Cream in that. Plus, he's the dope lyricist. He's got banging songs on there. I think, uh, yeah, from what I first heard from Max O'Cream, like all of the grittier shit, mm-hmm. and uh, what was it? Oh, I can't remember that tape. The one that got all the guns in the in the the, the, the weed, weed on, on it. it. Oh, yeah. was it? Um, uh, I know that one. It's the is it Maxo one eight seven? I don't know. But I know but which any, one he's talking anyways, about. What I'm getting to is like he just he he improved as a writer. Yeah, like he he became a storyteller. Mm-hmm. I didn't listen to the album as much, but I did notice that. Like, okay, yeah, I see. I see what you're doing. I I like that. I love when people have like you know stories to tell. Yeah, it's a, it's the art of storytelling when it when it's real. Yeah, and you can tell it's real. He's still finding Rico case just for people who are wondering. Oh man, that's still that's that's still something he's dealing with. Another album I, I'd mention is Dumb and Dumber by Young Dolph and Key Glock. It's oh. a great gym album. I love that album. I always like them as a duo because they have great chemistry together. And so for them to come together for a project and exceed expectations and even then some. It's dope. It's a it's a fun project. Let's do if you're just trying to have a good time. I got to tap in. I ain't I ain't heard it. And then baby on baby by the baby. Okay. He had a great year. He did have a good and year. And I I was disappointed with Kirk because it's more the same of what baby on baby was was doing, but that doesn't slight what baby on baby was to me. So I I like my first introduction to him was the baby on baby album with Suge and all that, and for ten songs just right right to the point every song it's it's dope. It's it's definitely fresh. To what he was bringing to the game, yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised that he like did have the year he did. Yeah, it's like I I thought that momentum was just gonna stop, but no, he kept it rolling. And I think that I think you gotta credit that to his personality. Yeah, I mean, and he got like a good team around mm-hmm. him. He's very like, creative. All of, the, all of yeah, all of the videos that he be doing, he he really know how to play the game. Like mm-hmm. he know how to. You know how to have fun. Yeah, how to push the brand and how to sell himself. And still be himself. Yeah. And it's it's great, man. Like, I love I love how there's just more personality coming back into hip-hop because everybody just takes themselves so seriously sometimes. And it's just like, you know, have fun with what you do. You, you rich, you got money, you make cool music. Like, have fun with that. You don't need to be Mr. fucking mean mugging all the time. 
Facts. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. Yeah, you ain't no need to just go around punching people. Yeah. Just enjoy your success and have fun with it. You don't need to be serious all the time. This ain't the 90s no more. Ain't nobody going to chin check you. Yeah. And then what would you say is the album you're disappointed by? I couldn't tell you because I didn't listen to him. <laughs> for real, for real. That's how you gonna do him? Uh, the one the album you heard and you was like, ah, that just didn't meet the expectations I was trying to. I probably forgot about it. So after the Schoolboy Q show, what do you think of the album? I know it's one. Okay, album. so that that was an album that I was disappointed in at first, but going to the show, I'm actually like more of a fan of the album now mm. because it just hit a little different when he when, when he's actually life. rapping it. Yeah. And you know, I've I felt the energy, and you know those are one of my those are my favorite. That's like one of my favorite aspects of hip hop or music when you go to concerts and it just it makes you appreciate the music more when yeah, you leave. Definitely changed my opinion of that. And that shows that goes to show like how much it can really help you to be a great performer. Yeah, how much being a great performer can help you and your music. I mean, you you got an opportunity to gain a lot of fans just by performing. And Sean did. Yeah. Fucking went crazy. Yeah. There was a great video he posted of him and like 20 white people all posted up. Like all new fans he met at the show. Yeah. It was a great moment. And that goes to show you how if you have a great stage presence and you could put on a performance, how much that will help you gain new fans. Yeah. Rap your shit, guys. Yeah. Actually rap your songs. Like stop. Leave that lazy shit in the new decade. Okay. Okay. Decade. So. What do you think about people rapping over their like they own songs and not having performance tracks? So like I heard an argument that if like some people can't sing like the auto tune, and if you don't got the equipment to sing the auto tune, like how your your song sounds, do you think it's okay to rap over this song? Well, because I know Travis Scott does that; he'll rap like with the lyrics. Yeah. But I've seen Travis Scott perform on on TV shows where he, they won't let him use the back vocals, so he'll have to just do it himself. But he sounds great. See, but he has the equipment to like have his voice, have the auto tune on his voice. Yeah, but see, he does. But he still like when it goes when he does shows and tours, he he still uses the vocals in the background. Yeah. But like I know he sounds good with without them. And that's why I really wanted to hear like him perform without the vocals. Like I watched him do Astro Thunder. And skeletons on SNL with John Mayer and uh, what's the dude from Tame Impala? I don't remember his name right now. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember it either. But yeah, he performed with them on SNL, both those songs in the medley, and it sounded beautiful. And then when I, when I went to go see him on Astro on Astro World, he was performing with the with the vocals, so you didn't really get get that moment of him like, oh wow, he's actually he's actually he's actually hitting that shit. But it's like it's like a insurance thing, because sometimes artists may forget their lyrics or some shit. It's a safety net for yeah, sure. Yeah, for real. But I think it does help, cause I don't want to hear you try and sound like the auto tune at all. Just let it let it play. Or just have it just have that part. If you have a song with auto tune on it, just then have that part be behind you. But if you're not using auto tune for the rest of the song, then just rap your shit. But a lot of artists can't don't have the breath control to actually rap their lyrics sometimes like that or use the flow that they use on a certain song. Yeah, we'll t- we'll talk a bit about it at the next artist summit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna be speaking there. Gonna speak our truths. Yeah, I'm giving advice. I'm so I say I say album I was disappointed by was the Beast Coast album because that should have been a lot bigger. But when it finally came all together after like all the years of them just like not actually coming together to do it when they finally did it it just kind of seemed clustered. 
Like there's too many cooks in the kitchen and not enough chefs. You feel me? I'm I feel that. Or like too many chefs and not enough cooks. No. Is it the other way? I think it's the other way. Okay, yeah. I stand corrected. Bunch of backseat drivers. I would say that. <laughs> I don't know, but I ne- I didn't listen to that album. There's a cut. Co- like I listened to it like twice. I took away a couple songs, but I think overall as a project, it was kind of disappointing for what we were, what you would expect from a Beast Coast album. Yeah, the quality you would expect from it. I feel like the wave for that was it was a long time ago, like 2014, 15. Yeah, when everybody was just riding for New York, like was, was had some heat. Yeah, and the I remember Flatbush Zombies was going crazy then too. Mm-hmm. They was putting out like these little singles that was like bangers too. Yeah, yeah, even uh. Even uh, the Underachievers projects was fire at the time. But, yeah, they kind of fell off. And I feel like, I feel as individual artists, like they still got their own their own movements that they can still capitalize on for their individual careers. But as a Beast Coast, I feel like that time may have passed. Yeah. I don't know. The Beast Coast can't die, can it? Nah, as long as they're still doing music, Beast Coast will always be alive. And it, it don't help that, like, Griselda came back around. It's like it's like a different energy. Because like New York. to to Griselda, the Beast Coast is like weird niggas. I'm not saying that's what they saying, but like in comparison to what they're what doing saying? compared to the Beast Coast, yeah, like. They, but then again, the Wu Tang them was them niggas was weird. Staten Island, like what the yeah, fuck is this shit? Yeah, them and to me, strange. that's to me, Griselda's more Wu Tang in terms of just that raw, grimy sound, that New York gutter sound, you know. Yeah, it was. That's that's hoodie music. Yeah, that's bubble coat music. But I still think, as as individual artists, Beast Coast is still doing their thing. I'm still excited for a Joey Badass album. Me too. It's been almost. It's gonna be four years in 2020 since we got a Joey Badass project. I, I actually like the uh, Joey Badass albums. I like the uh, was it the New American Badass. Oh, American Badass? Or American Badass. Yeah, I love that project. I, yeah, I like that project. I like that. I've I've went back to Before the Money earlier this year, or like like a month ago. and B- Before the Badass? Yeah, Before the Money. Yeah, whatever it, whatever it is. Yeah, and I've grown to appreciate that album a lot too. But I, I like that album when it came out anyway, but for some reason his fan base didn't like it. But yeah, so I think Beast Coast as individual artists still got a great movement going on. I, I'm really excited for Flatbush's new shit. I love the song they just did with Tech 9 which I got to tell Tech Nine that a couple days ago. So shout out to me. It's dope. So I, I got a lot of I got a lot of hype and expectations for another Flatbush project. Any um who you who you think had the best year this year? The best year. Would you say the baby? Arguably, yeah. Him or Megan the Stallion. Uh, or Gangsta Gig. Yeah. I think it's between them three, but I think commercial wise, the baby and Megan the Stallion definitely. Lil Nas X. Who, uh, yeah, can't forget him. Who, <laughs> what do you look forward to seeing in 2020? I'm look, look, definitely looking forward to Isaiah Rashad album. It's you, been almost four years since we got an Isaiah Rashad album. We might just get hella TDE shit. I'm looking forward to it. I want to see Pusha T. I want to see Pusha T. I want Griselda to like grow and do some crazier shit than they did this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I want Zeph France to uh, really just like step into his his comfort zone. He only been rapping for a year, and I got high hopes for for that kid. That's dope. He's only been doing it for a year, and he's already at that level. Yeah. So I'm looking forward. 
I'm looking forward to just Isaiah Rashad. I'm, I'm curious to see what Travis Scott's next step as an artist, evolution as an artist in the sound, what he can bring to the table. Yeah. What about, uh, I think I'll, I want to see Ye run for president. For the for the sake of the American people, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm kidding. For the sake of everything, we're barely holding on by a thread right now. I don't need Kanye as president. But uh, I'm definitely, I want to see what Kendrick does. I think all eyes are on Kendrick. And I feel like 2020 is going to be one of them decades where Kendrick and Drake are both going to drop. You think Cole going to drop again? I think he hyped it up to where he is going to drop. Maybe, I think he might save it up for 2021. I think 2020 going to be a crazy year. It's about to go wild. There's a lot of artists that didn't drop in the last couple of years that are about to drop in 2020, and I'm ready for it. Beyonce going to drop an album probably. Oh, shit. Rihanna got to drop an album, right? Yeah. I got, I, I've been uh, doing my homework on Rihanna. I, Anti is amazing. It is, ain't it? Her last album is yeah, amazing. That shit is amazing. So 2020 shaping up to be a great year. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about this Andre 3000 Rick Rubin interview. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. So you've watched it, right? Yeah. Or I, I listened to it. I didn't watch it. Oh, yeah. Listen to it. So it's a very, very interesting interview to one of the most unique artists of our lifetime. Yeah, Rick Rubin. And Andre 3000. Oh, no. I was, <laughs> it, was a, it was a joke. <laughs> now nah, Rick Rubin, too. I got to definitely, definitely give him his props. But there was a lot. There was a couple of things I took away, and I think the main thing is is how we we put. Well, I wouldn't say we. I say the hype beast. I think the hype beast killed Andre three thousand. But we put Andre three thousand on such a high pedestal that that pedestal is ultimately what destroyed his confidence, because we nitpick every little thing that he does. And he talked about that how everything he puts out, even the features, you know, everyone just kind of analyzes it to a very overly in depth position i guess you would say yeah and then that it got to the point where that overanalyzation of everything he puts out hindered his confidence in what he does because he knows that if you put out a project it's going to be analyzed just like that yeah they're gonna break that shit down and, to the molecule yeah to, and every little detail and i think that's crazy to think how we we've hyped him up to the point where we've almost destroyed him uh i mean so is the the price of fame and that's kind of what it comes back to, the price of fame. And, uh, yeah. Because he said when he first was doing music, he, they just did what they wanted to do because everyone didn't like him anyway or thought they was weird. So well, they, so they, he was like, you know, fine. Like, we'll do our weird shit over here. And y'all go over there and we're going to do our thing. But then everybody started gravitating towards what they do. And it kind of brought a lot, all this pressure, pressure and fame. But it didn't come till after because Idlewild was the last Outkast album that they did together. And then Three Stacks just did features ever since then. It, it it was kind of it's like a, a strange transition, and he he didn't seem like he really wanted the fame. Yeah, he was just more into the artistic expression of music. Yeah. But I, so that's the way of the world. We put people on pedestals, and we hold expect, them to almost yeah, like godlike expectations. Yeah, we expect them to be gods and be perfect all the time, and mm-hmm. that that pressure could break people. Because no human could be God, you know what I mean? No, no and some people don't. And people like him don't even want that. Yeah, and that's why he he feels just want to like, go to the laundromat and, and be normal, like yeah, he, be he, regular. He he thirsts for the for the for the feel of normalcy. You know, he wants to feel normal again. That's why he goes to like these hole in the wall venues and shit because he knows no one's gonna bother him, and he gets to watch artists perform at a time where it was just fun. 
yeah it yeah especially how accessible people are today like this generation is not like everybody has a bill for him no if he puts out if he put out a project that a lot of people consider bad they would just shit all, all over it yeah like ruthlessly ruthlessly like we've been waiting 15 years for this yeah think of the memes (laughs) <laughs> Look what the memes did the chance the rapper. Yeah. I mean, they didn't do it to the Carter Five. Nah. We kinda embraced it. I mean, because Carter Five was good, but it wasn't like it wasn't what we were expecting. I think now that he's expressed himself in this way, that we'll be more accepting of yeah, we'll be more accepting of Andre three thousand's music. It's so crazy to think because there was an interview he did with GQ like two, three years ago where he talked about this a little bit and you could tell he doesn't look at himself the way that we look at him. He always viewed like how we view him is how he views Big Boy. He, you know, he's like Big Boy. You know, he graduated top of his class. I dropped out of high school. Big Boy was always married and had the family. Like I was always the one that was just like fucking random groupies. Like I was always living like the complete opposite life people thought that I was living, and Big Boy was the one that was actually living like that life. And he, he talked about how he never understood why people thought he was a better rapper than Big Boy because. You know, if you were in a battle rap or something, like you want to pick Big Boy instead of me, because like I can't battle rap, but Big Boy will go to war with you if you need him to. Yeah, I remember him. He talked a little bit about that in this interview mm-hmm. about him just like admiring Big Boy. And I love that. I love that because I feel like a lot of people don't give Big Boy his due these days because he rapped with Andre Three Thousand, but yeah. they they need each other to to be to reach the level that they were at as a as a group today. Yeah, you, you got to check the facts. Everybody got to look at receipts and, mm-hmm. and really understand what's going on. And see who, you know, they, I mean, I'm not saying Big Boy didn't need three stacks and three stacks didn't need Big Boy. They needed each other to make one of the greatest hip-hop groups of all time. Like It, it was a team effort. Yeah, and it wasn't just them. It, you know how they say it takes a village. Like the they Dungeon was, Family. Yeah, the Dungeon Family. That was in, the, in, in, you know, that little basement just coming up with their own shit and and. I forgot who he said was recording him when he found his like his voice. It was Rico know? Wade. Yeah, they were he was, they were saying like that's it. Yeah, and that's he, like he rap just, like yo yeah, just talk. Yeah, rap he was like rapping talk. in his normal voice. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, and shit he, like that is tight. Yeah, and I love how he I love how he really he took he embraced the music because he it kind of had like a method acting kind of take on how he approached the music. So yeah. if the music sounded like space aliens, he wanted to dress like he was from. Another planet. Yeah, let me put on this. Uh, put on this. This was it. Um, they call them headscarves, or the hijab. The hijab. I, I I'm trying to understand what you talking. A turban. The, turban. Yeah. Okay. He yeah. wore. Yeah, because he wore a turban on the cover. He drew the cover of AT Aliens. Okay. So oh, word. yeah, that's why on the, on the cover he he's what? wearing a turban. He he drew that. Yeah. He yeah. used to draw. Like, he drew his outfits. That's how he would put his outfits. He would draw his outfits and then like put them together. Damn. So he would always want to make music that like that represented how the music sounded. So he was a, a performer's performer. So he really embraced the music to the fullest extent. So if you see him out during the ATLs area, he'd always be wearing a turban. Yeah, he was pushing his style. Yeah, and then that's how he developed his own style. And I think it's really cool how he said he wrote Prototype for Janet Jackson. I li- I like uh, that kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. That's that's a that writer's mentality. Yeah, like ooh, I think because someone can, else would be good on this. You too. could tap to another level of creativity. Yeah, if you write a song for someone else as opposed to like what you would write. It, it'll it'll help you mix it up. You would step outside of your own limitations in your own box. Mm-hmm. I think something that was really cool 
is that when Rick Rubin asked him, what you listen to right now? He says he listens to instrumental music a lot because he likes music that he can have his own thoughts to because sometimes the thoughts can be a little much. I, what do you think of that? I respect, I do, I do feel like that. Uh, like the night I, I listened to the interview, on, it was on Friday night. And when I drove home, I was kind of just exhausted. And whatever I was, the stuff I was playing, it just wasn't like what I was trying to hear because it was just, it wasn't what I needed. So then I realized that Static Selective put out the Grand Turismo instrumentals out on Apple Music. And I listened to that on my drive home and it was just soothing. It, mm-hmm. it allowed me to just mentally relax. And kind of unwind. I think uh, I I agree too, cause it it is getting to the point to where it's like now everything is just a bunch of like extra noise, and then we got all of this emo music or fake emo music, and then we just got all of these niggas talking about like money, and then we got the same beats in production. And then we got the same fucking pop songs. It just get to be a lot. So sometimes you do gotta like just kind of step outside yeah. that zone. And fucking. that kind of that comes back to another point when he had a message to artists. When artists come up to him and say, "Yo, you got any advice for me?" And he'd always say, "Listen to things outside your genre because it'll help your genre." He said, "Bombs Over Baghdad" was inspired against what was it? Uh, was Rage it? Against, against the, the machine. machine. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah, that's just tight. I, I fucking love I re, I respect him so much more and I just like how his brain works, you know. He's a weirdo. He's like uh But that's always that helped him to his advantage. Yeah. I'm he seemed like he's doing he's in like a, a good space. He compared himself to like Kurt Cobain, but he's not he not really like you know, he not He compared the energy of the music. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because like he said the, we're old the, we're old enough to remember, we remember watching Kurt Cobain on M T V and just thinking like that shit was so cool, like how the energy, the music just kept kept shit moving. Yeah, but well, I guess I'm comparing him to Kurt because uh, like he is he weird like that. Mm-hmm. He he said he spent like most of his time by himself alone because he's the only child. I mean, yeah, but he I mean he got like kids now, but his kids are all grown up. Shit like that. Oh, for real? How old is seven? Seven? He in college now? Oh damn. Bamboo. I think Bamboo just graduated high school too, which was. Which is the which is big boy's son? He mentioned in Bombs Over Baghdad. Got a son by the name of Bamboo. Oh man! Yeah, the kids are grown up. I think big boy's son plays for like Oregon State or something. What are you Oregon? Gonna, what are you gonna do when you have the house to yourself, Theo? What you gonna do? What you gonna do when the kids leave? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't ask that question. You know? <laughs> but yeah, and then in the interview he did with GQ, he just lives in New York and like uh. Almost like a dungeon. He said he made a joke saying if the apocalypse happened, we would really need to look for water for like two weeks. Oh, man. He lives like in a basement somewhere in Soho. He'll go walk around New York just to walk around. He's He kind of feel like he's just, it seems like he's just trying to find something to inspire him. He said he's been trying to learn different instruments. uh, Another instrument. Cause he, I think he knows how to play piano a little bit. He's learning like bass clarinet or something. Yeah, he's playing the clarinet. Yeah, fucking Squidward. <laughs> he should put out a, a album inspired by Squidward. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's it's a unique look into Andre three thousand who he is as a person. I mean, I, I was it was interesting to me when he said he didn't read a lot of books. What do you thought he was just like a bookworm? 
it's, he seems like the kind of person that would be, or I think something that was really that I related to when he says that he'll pick up something to learn and then he just he'll get distracted by something else and he'll never finish it. Yeah, I have that problem myself. Like I'll I'll, I'll commit to doing something and then I'll just get distracted with another task and then now now I'm over here focusing on this and leaving this behind. We all got ADD. Mm-hmm. You I, got you got to pick like four things and then just have them all around and then just do all of them. At the same time, <laughs> no, bro, for real, that's how that's how I live my life. Like I'm, I do like four different things. Mm. So I would I would be listening to the albums that to get this list ready, and then be thinking about clothes and shit. It's it's weird. Gotta be multi, gotta be able to multitask. Yeah, a, a really cool comment. I think Rick Rubin said it, or Three Sacks. But I think it was Rick Rubin. He said you don't have to be new to make new. And when he talks about people not liking things because it's not what they were wanting or expecting. Like, one of the most recent examples to me was Donald Glover's Awaken My Love. Yeah. People weren't, people wanted another rap album. And then this soulful, kind of rockish album comes out and people are like, what the fuck is this? But then, as the time went on, people appreciated the project a lot more. Yeah. It's hard to uh, listen to new shit when you are not open to it. When you already have an expectation. Yeah, what you want from the artist. Yeah. A lot of times people already have like this story in their head like this is this is what is going to happen and then when it doesn't they fucking rage. Like the whole Drake situation with everyone's like fucking yeah, it's going to be Frank. Yeah. yeah it's Tyler. It's got to it's, it's got to be Frank. It won't be Drake, right? No yeah. one no one was thinking it was going to be Drake. But it was fucking Drake. <laughs> And those ungrateful bastards booed Drake. <laughs> yeah. Shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> you don't deserve Drake. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't deserve Drake. That's hilarious. That's still one of my favorite moments of this year. Yeah, but I love Drake. A very, a very unique look into the mind of one of the most fascinating artists of our lifetime, Andre 3000. Yeah. You, you think he gonna drop in 2020? It might not be. Probably till 2025. And it won't even be a rap album. It's just going to be him playing the clarinet. It's going to be called uh, Songs from the Stone House. (laughs) By Andre 3000. Yeah, it's going to be uh, themed around the life of Squidward. I can't wait. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, It's going to be a great album, and we better be nice to him about it. Don't be ungrateful. Facts. Now, before we wrap this up, I just wanted to talk to you about how you felt about the whole Juice World incident. Because the first time I ever heard Juice World's name was actually, I believe, on the first episode we ever did this podcast. You talked about how it was one of your favorite albums mid midway through the year of 2018. Yeah, so after after that, I didn't listen to him as much. After, like, once he blew up. and Was the mystique kind of gone? A little bit. But he he really was, like, a good good at making songs and stuff like that. But as far as the incident goes... Getting like more details of it. This is really. It was just. I got. I got mixed feelings about it because, I mean, he's. I guess he's. He's trying to hide the drugs. He's trying to. In like, I, if the if the pilot doesn't make that call to the cops about the shit being on the plane, I feel like he's still here today. I don't. But probably. But I don't. I. You every every man is responsible for his, his own situation exactly and, and, and you li- you, you his own him. choices. Yeah, because if if he don't take all of the drugs, he just go to jail. 
Or somebody, somebody's entourage could have took that fall. Yeah, like uh, like from ATL, you put it in somebody else's bag. Yeah. But <laughs> great reference. Or, or but Atlanta. they were also rolling, but, rolling with like what seventy pounds of weed. Yeah, and y'all, they was they was moving reckless. Yeah, especially it, for it going to the airport. A bad choice. I didn't. I don't think it's okay that he died. Doesn't excuse like him him passing. Yeah, away. but it don't excuse him making a a bad choice. And what the fuck do you need all of them drugs for? But you that, know what I mean. Like, why do you need to be traveling with that much? Especially if you're going to an airport. Yeah, that that's that was a bad decision itself. And you know, I'm not I'm not you know take not not making him not hold be responsible for the actions that 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 he made that ultimately unfortunately led to his death. But after it came out. You, his his girl and his mom were both open about how he he struggled with opioid addiction. Yeah, and I feel like you know it's not, and I don't want people to think I'm trying to judge people because it's not my place to tell people how they deal with pain and trauma. Because there's a lot of that in the hip hop community, especially with these younger artists. But I feel like a lot of people don't give themselves credit for how strong they really are. So they 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 fall back on on these painkillers to kind of kill all the pain and emotions that they may have inside them. I mean, yeah. Especially, it's it, it's easier to face your problems when you not uh, when you not sober. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, all of all of us do it from time to time, but when you when you start to abuse it, or when it's easier to run away, that's when you you kind of lose sight of yourself, or that's when you get into like dangerous territory. Like even little little peep had like a drug addiction. He mm-hmm. wanted he wanted to stop his tour, but I guess his manager was like pushing it more and like was providing drugs and stuff like that. So like sometimes, you know, to a degree, you no, you are responsible for your situation and the choices you make, but so are the people around you that enable you. Yeah, you know. And it, it it does take a village. And we've seen, and we this recently this year before the Juice World incident, we saw this happen with Summer Walker. She canceled half her tour because she she had her social anxiety just couldn't take it. Yeah. And but you see how much people bash her for it. I mean that's just that's and it kind of it kind of shows you that how we look at celebrities. It's like I don't care what you're going through. Perform for us. Like go on stage and give us a show that we paid to see. Y'all a singing group, ain't y'all? <laughs> we'll, we'll sing something. Then. Yeah. And it's and it's like when you have people that are constantly attacking you like that, I can understand how it could it could push an artist to just say, you know what, like, let me kill all these all these emotions that I'm feeling because this backlash I'm getting with these painkillers and just numb it all away. But then you just keep running from it because it's just gonna get worse and worse. It's a it's a strange like predicament to be in. I don't fully understand it because I'm not like no famous person. Yeah. But from like uh, just the average. Person's perspective, I I don't I don't see how people can do that. Like people must really like hate themselves to to just like bash people because like they decide I'm not I'm not gonna do this show today. Yeah, like, you, I'm not you know I'm not I mean? in a good space to perform for this show. And people yeah. are like I don't give a fuck. Like I already paid to see you perform. I made this. I've marked my whole calendar for it all month. Like you need to perform. But that's 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 the same way we treat the McDonald's lady that messed up your order. But we don't know the McDonald's lady's like having a terrible day, or what she's and, going and she's through. stressed out about yeah. paying her bill and feeding her kids. We just we just lack with empathy. Yeah, empathy for people. But, I mean that that's kind of that's how society is. Like 
capitalism is like is like no it's your fault that you're doing this mm. so like i'm i'm saying like that juice world and like little peep they all responsible for their own choices mm. but there is like some something that other people can do could have done the same yeah because everyone needs help from time to time all of us fall on hard times but like we gotta do you do you take do you take the bottle away or do you give them you know do you actually get more shit yeah Yeah. and you know it's when it comes to you know you got fame you got money and then you got pressure and then you got people online calling you a piece of shit every day it's like how do you deal with all these emotions that you're feeling you know you, like you say, you gotta face them head on because you can't run away from them forever. But sometimes it's just it feels like it's easier to just run away and not deal with them, not deal with those emotions and feelings. Hey, sometimes you're supposed to. What? Some I think sometimes it's okay to just be like, I'm just going, I'm going to go, I'm going to Africa, like Dave. Dave yeah, you know? and just get away from everybody. I mean, yeah, why not? Especially if you got money and you're in a position to, to do that. I can't, I can't fault. Sumner Walker for doing that or some yeah, whatever. Yeah, she she knew that right away. That listen, I can't do all these dates. I it mentally I can't I can't do it, so I got to cancel half the tour. But you know she's still gonna get. I'm still gonna give a show to people for the shows I'm still gonna perform. But I can't do all these dates because that's a lot of work. Yeah, I mean that's a lot. You know, back to back dates and whatnot. It's mentally and physically exhausting. You you putting a lot of strain on your body. Yeah, and your mental well being and. That's something a lot of artists, I've seen Freddie Gibbs talk about it. I've seen Wale talk about it, how, you know, record labels should offer, like, mental health for their artists. Just so, you know, if they need it, so they can always make sure they're in a good mental state. Like, offering them therapy or whatever it is that they can offer them to make sure that their artists are doing okay. Instead of just pushing these drugs on their artists and like, hey, man, take this and just go make more music for us. Or here, take yeah. this and go perform. Imagine getting treated like a circus act all the time. And that's kind of how we view artists. Yeah, Vince Staples talked about that before in a lot of his videos. How you know we just they live behind the glass and we just watch for our amusement. Yeah, the fame and money, like Andre Three Thousand said, it's it's a wild thing. Yeah, we we fucked up as a society, mm-hmm. especially how, how how high we hold these celebrities in regards. No matter how well they may be doing or how bad they may be doing, we still put all this pressure on them. Like I don't care what you're going through, I want to see a show. Yeah, and I feel like as consumers, that's something we gotta. We got to change in the future. Okay, uh, n- another good example of someone that just like, it was like, all right, fuck this. I'm about to go do me. Fuck Earl Sweatshirt. He fell off the map for a couple years. Yeah. So I, I can't, he he dropped the album this year, and I didn't, I only listened to it once. It's very, uh, I, don't, I don't have the word for it. <laughs> but I, I fuck with Earl, and I like where his head is at. Because he, he he took time to be like a human and be say I need a break from this. Deal with his emotions. Yeah. Deal with his feelings. Because all of the, all of the fame shit is superficial. Yeah, and it can get irritating to a point of being treated like a circus animal. I don't understand how artists live in L.A. the way they do. Like you go out, you just go out to get lunch with your moms, and you come out and TMZ's bombarding you with cameras nonstop. I couldn't I couldn't deal with like shit that's like that's that. not normal behavior. I remember when when Mac Miller first died, and the first time TMZ caught Post Malone outside was like two days after, and they're like, "Hey man, what do you think about Mac Miller dying?" It's like, dog, this really ain't the time or place. Yeah, like, well, what are you doing? But I would, I see, look, I don't ever want to be in that position, but because I don't know, how, I don't know how to respond to stuff like that. I, I, I will punch you for real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't. 
like uh you remember when they was outside of Yay house yeah he's like hey yeah good morning shut the mosquitoes fuck up. yeah it's like six in the morning like why are you outside my house yeah it's 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 a very unhealthy way to treat human beings so whenever whenever i talk to people and they always ask me like what's 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 a question you always ask every artist you interview i always ask them you know, how you doing because a lot of times we'll forget that they're people just like us. Yeah. They go through ups and downs, human emotions like we do. They just happen to be famous and rich. But just because they're famous and rich doesn't mean they don't get depressed. They don't get sad. They're always happy all the time. Like, that's not true. They're humans just like me and you. So I feel like as consumers, we got we to gotta learn to hold these famous people and entertainers to just like the humans that they are. Like, they go through ups and downs. So if they have a bad night or if they tell you they're going through something... Then just you no know, take it easy on respect them. that yeah respect that treat them like actual human beings. If you was walking down the street and somebody bum rushed you with a phone out and saying hey what's up man dance with me or rap for me, you you would have a panic attack. I'm throwing your phone right snatching that shit like yeah, Jay Z. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Give me that. Yeah. The fuck is wrong with you? But I hope that's something that we change in, in the next decade going forward and just treating artists like humans. It starts with you, Joe. I'll lead the way. Change yourself, Joe. Only you could prevent, prevent forest fires. Not when you're dropping bombs like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Singers. All right, man. Well, that's that's it for the big three, yo. But before we go, what's a New Year's resolution you have going into the new decade? I'm going to say no more. I've been telling too many of y'all. I don't care yes. what Larry June say. Well. Go hard every day. Never use the word no. I need, I'm going to say yes to myself then. That's right. Treat yourself. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Facts. Only you can help you. Yeah, you can't pour from an empty cup. And then, and when my <laughs> cup is full, oh yeah, that's it, that's it. <laughs> what that's about it. you? Me? Uh, One thing I really want to work on is just consistency. Be more consistent with our podcast, be more consistent with our output, because, you know, sometimes I'll get caught up with work, we'll get caught up with life. We won't have time to do it as consistent as we want to. There's been times during this year where we've been consistent putting out episodes week by week. Yeah, then and then we'll have a drought. Off. Yeah, so that's something I really want to work on as a podcast, just being becoming more consistent. One oh. thing about this game, you got to stay consistent. Yeah, that little Larry June. You know? Message. Yeah, you know. So I'm pretty excited. Hopefully we to start getting more visuals. We got some big shit working, cooking up for the podcast. That oh, you know, Big things, man. Big things, man. It's big things. It's going to be a great decade. I'm looking forward to it, so you know I don't want to spoil nothing yet because it's not confirmed. But once we confirm it, it's gonna be big. I'm looking forward to it, so it's gonna be gonna be a good start. Yep, yep. All right, man. That's the big three O of the Yada Yada podcast, brought to you by Papa John's. Forty pizzas, thirty days. Papa John's. Put your yada yada over the best part. Yo, this is Denzel Curry. You're now in tune to the Yada Yada podcast. Brow, get-